Westlap Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowsbo. Well, guys, um, I, I guess we could talk about that game, but uh, do you really, really want to? I... There was so- I think it. I think it'd be more fun to talk to our friends about that game. I, I I completely agree. We are extremely thrilled to be joined once again by uh, Gary Seegers and Chris Giannini from the Winning Cures Everything podcast. Uh, gentlemen, great to great to talk to you guys again. I know it's only been a couple of days. Um, you guys came up to our fair city for this. I guess you could call it a game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> An event. Yeah, we came up for a yeah. party. It was. It was a party. It was. A, it was. A, it was a great time. Uh, tailgate was just off the charts for everyone who came by the tailgate. Uh, great to meet you all. Thank you all so much for coming by, um, Gary, Chris, for coming all the way up from Memphis area. Thank you guys. It was so much fun. We had a great time. I I hope you guys had a great time too. Oh, we had an absolute blast, man. It was. It was well worth the, the trip up. I was going to say the drive. It's it was it was worth whether we flew or drove or walked up whatever it was we we got there and uh and we had an absolute fantastic time man it, you guys know how to throw a party and uh and we're just sad that it ended so soon you know? <laughs> yeah i mean you you got i i want to thank y'all gracious host um food was incredible people were great i mean it, it was a it's a beautiful campus of, y'all have a, an incredible spot to tailgate at and uh and, and i'm going to tell you i've been to a lot of tailgates and now I'm not usually super tight with everyone who's thrown the tailgate. I'm kind of the extra guy that gets to come along. <laughs> um, and uh, I didn't feel that way with you guys at all. And uh, I mean, it was it was one of the most fun times I've ever had at a game in my life. Well, that's that great. Is- that's great to hear because you know the game itself was you know not all that entertaining. The, the game part was rough. <laughs> well, as soon as everybody cleared out from the stands and we just had our own little huddle of, of us, that was awesome. I had fun. I mean, I know the game sucked, but, you know. Hey, hey, I think about this, that. We're, we're all football guys, so it doesn't matter what the score is. We're still actually watching to, like, you know, keep tabs on the team. So, honestly, it didn't matter what the score was. We were still watching. So I, I thought it was still very entertaining. I was hanging out. That's, that, that is very true, and – and I won't lie, uh, 20 years of Northwestern fandom, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty adept at doing just that at this stage. I see too many lopsided scores, but, um, but yeah, the, the product that we put on the field was not what we hoped. We hope, we hope to give you guys a little bit more excitement. But that being said, like you gotta, I, I feel like this is a special opportunity because, we rarely get an outsider's perspective on on Northwestern and, and an outsider's eyewitness perspective at that. And y'all didn't come in, you know, as as opposing fans or or you know um, Ohio State experts or anything of that nature. So I like we're really excited to just you know just kind of hear your takeaways from from the team and the experience and like please please tell us that Northwestern is going to win another game this year beyond just UMass. Well, I, I think I think several. I think several. I, this is not a bad football team. Like it, it has been a rough slate to start off with, and I, I would assume that you guys agree with me. Like it, it, it's not like you've been playing easy teams. So you know, I, I think that there's definitely hope for the future. But gracious, there is. And, and now, 
Chris and I have watched Northwestern multiple times this year. Uh, that I'm was sorry. some of the most that that was some of the most creative play calling that your offensive coordinator has had all year. <laughs> it was just too little, too late, and with like a third string quarterback. So, or I guess at this point he would be second string, but you know, I mean, he, it, it was he just, might be first string at this point. We just don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that part's rough. Um, but it, it, I think it's a little, you know, maybe too little, too late. But I wonder how much more in a shell they go at going up against some of these teams that they feel like they do have a chance against. Like, how how conservative will Fitz and McCall be? with the game plan going forward because if they if they kind of open it up a little bit like they did against Ohio State there's a real chance of of being able to put up you know a lot of points in some of these games so I, I think the biggest thing that we noticed is that one Ohio State speed is just next level like it's it's impossible to be able to keep up with that um but I don't think anybody expects Northwestern to be able to so it, but going into the games that you've got coming up, I, I, I think it's a, a little more even ground. Uh, maybe uh, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. Like maybe, maybe I mean, it's I, a little even. Oh, I don't even. know. Yeah. Okay. More even. Yes. Um, I, I do think there are struggles. The play calling was fine. The execution was rough. Yeah. And and is that going to get better? I don't know. Um, I tell you what was, I guess the the. The cherry on the cake, the the best part of the most improved part of Northwestern, even in the game where they got just completely waxed, was the offensive line, which has been y'all's Achilles heel for so long. Yep. When they opened up some big holes against what's supposed to be a great defensive front seven to run through. I, I think if you had more speed, some of those are house calls because those holes were massive. And, and, and you broke away for seven, eight, nine yards, and then you just got caught eventually. Um, it, it, you know, it's kind of weird. We want to see them open the playbook up and not be so lethargic. But and this was a game where running the football is the only thing you did well. And you open the playbook up to kind of get away from it, and none of that stuff really, really worked. So uh, I, yeah. I, I, I'm very curious to see how you – how you look going forward offensively. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. I mean, if you juxtapose, in terms of this particular season, I can't help but think back to the one of the most famous Northwestern games of recent memory, the 2013 Ohio State game, where we were, we were undefeated, they were undefeated, game day came, it was such a huge deal. We played an awesome game and scored 30 points in a loss, and you could argue at the end of that game – um, you know, we don't get jobbed by a particular call. We score more than 30 points. And then the week after that, we scored six points against Wisconsin, and we didn't score 30 points again until the end of the season against Illinois. And so for whatever reason, McCall tends to throw more wrinkles against Ohio State than he does against other teams. And that isn't that wasn't just true in 2013. That's been true in recent years. And so it kind of stinks because first of all, you look at some of these wrinkles and you're like, all right, it's great. It's great to see Kyrick McGowan playing running back in this flex passage where, you know, he's out there. Is he a wide receiver? And we're going five wide. Is he in the backfield? Are we going to motion him out of the backfield? Some of that stuff was going at the beginning of the game. It was looking good. The wrinkles that Chris is talking about. And that's, that's great. It's cool. Um, But one, I mean, 
it's great to hear an outsider's perspective saying, you know, that it felt like too little too late. It's like, oh, these things are just showing up. Well, not only are they just showing up, but we're already worrying, you know, are these things going to be fleeting? And, you know, this will be like the last time that we see some of this stuff. Because to your point um, about the run blocking, like we do think we have a pretty good line. They are going to open holes against the back half of our schedule. But um, at the same time, you you want to think that we're not just going to throw all this stuff out. I mean, it's funny. One thing that popped into my head, uh, it was either yesterday or this morning, just thinking about in terms of the ways that you get glimpses of things that other people build entire offenses around. And it's the same kind of thing where you look and you have a game like Ohio state and you see some of these wrinkles we're trying to throw out and you go, Oh, that's great. That's great. And then you get a glimpse of it and then it's gone. And even when it was there, it felt almost like a gadget. And I was thinking about the way Venerick Mark was utilized his first two years at Northwestern, those packages, what we later called the Jelani Roberts packages where it, it didn't feel integrated into the offense. It felt like um, a it, – it didn't feel integrated into the offense. It felt like, like a red herring, something the defense would pick out. And then you look at a guy who's, I'm sure I, – I grant you, Chris, dearer in our hearts than in your hearts, but a, Matt Canada, who when he was at LSU – I mean not LSU, at Pitt, built an entire offense around the exact same concepts – and it was a really good offense where we only, you know, just kind of nipped at it and looked at it as like, you know, a change of pace or a gadget play and not kind of understanding the full potential. So, yeah, I it's it's good to hear that at least you guys understand, you know, the positives that are within our offense. Outside of that, I mean, you know, we're so curious. You guys talked about it a little bit, but you guys, you know, Alabama fan, LSU fan, you guys have tailgated at the Grove, um, you know. Where do we rank? Where does Northwestern fit in? I mean, honest assessment. You guys are from, you know, ground zero, relatively speaking, of the college football world. You know, when it comes to the atmosphere, the stadium, you know, before the game, during the game, you know, how does Northwestern in 2019 measure up? So you got a primetime weeknight game. Love that. I'm going to tell you, I like it more than most people coming up here would. Um, a, I'm open-minded to new and different things. A lot of people from the South are not. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and also I'm getting, I'm getting a little bit crisper, cooler weather. And down here we tailgate and I sweat and lose like 25 pounds and I, I feel disgusting. Um, and so it's just, it was less people, which I'm great with. But uh, I, I liked it. I liked the campus. I thought the, it's one of the most beautiful campuses I've ever been on, if not the best campus I've ever been on. Um, really enjoyed that. And and the tailgate part, I mean, is it the Grove? No, because it doesn't match the Grove in sheer size. But I, it kind of had a Grove feel to it because you're amongst trees and grass and you're not tailgating on concrete and in parking lots. And and that I, I just I kind of felt really at home at. And and I really liked a lot going to a whole bunch of old Miss tailgates. It, it um, is funny because we call ourselves the Westlot Pirates, which which is much much more of that concrete um, parking lot feel. Uh, but since we got kicked out of the Westlot and now we're the proverbial South Golf Lot Pirates, uh, I think we're we're, <laughs> we're we're having a similar feeling of gosh, this is a really nice environment. We might like to stay here. Well, when when you guys told us that it was actually in the the golf course. We did turn left at the golf course and go across the golf course. My 
I, I don't, I, this might be the worst thing to, and I'm not going to say this. I, I thought that's a very Northwestern thing. Like, it's a, it's a bunch of, a bunch of, bunch of elite white people. All right, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of money here. Okay, and uh, and we got there, and man, it was just beautiful. It was cool, and and I, like I said, everybody around seemed to be having a good time. Let me tell you what it doesn't have that the South has a lot of. I didn't see one person get hit or even like close <laughs> to getting like yelled at. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've walked the Grove just wearing like a polo in some, you know, shorts or whatever. And I just randomly see a guy grab a girl and that girl has another guy with him and he hits somebody. And then it's just four dudes falling on the ground screaming. And it's just, that's, that's normal. That's standard operating procedure. And, uh, yeah, it, we didn't see any of that. And, I, I and so, so here's the thing, though. That, here's the thing. Right, go ahead. What's, what's really interesting is that with the Ohio State dance, I almost expected to see it from them because that's the sort of oh, thing we that, saw they, it in the, that they bring. We saw bring. it in the stadium. We saw it in the stadium. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> yes, I mean, that 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 is true. Um, yeah, there was a period early earlier on where – uh, Chris started started the game sitting a little bit farther away from us, and you ended up spending most of the game sitting right next to us. But there was that period earlier where Chris was sending us some texts, and I was kind of thinking, I think we need to get Chris over here as soon as possible because I feel like there's <laughs> I feel like there's there's an Ohio State guy over where he's sitting who is getting in his face, uh, like like he doesn't know. I when when you were sending us those texts, Chris. Gary was sitting next to us at that time. And I looked at Gary and I said, I was just kind of saying, I was like, Chris does not look like someone that you would just turn around and want to talk smack to. Like, again, for those of you who don't, like, Chris is not the least imposing figure in the world, I would say. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, a soft guy. And I think that guy saw soft on me. And uh, and I don't know that he cared. I just think he was looking for a fight. And, I think that and, guy and, was seeing five of you. I think, maybe. yeah. I think, yeah. I think, I think that guy was saved by the bell when you moved over to our section. Oh. But, uh, and as I was leaving, he was still talking trash. Like, come on, man. But what what's so, really he, interesting is normally when Ohio State comes to Evanston, that kind of behavior is every Ohio State fan. And for some reason, like this, it yeah. Maybe not a hundred percent, but it really felt like the most docile Ohio State crowd I've ever seen, and um, it, it felt a little weird because normally, like I say, I mean, there were Ohio State fans sitting around us. They were like calm and chill, and like we've been on the we've been on the wrong end of a butt whooping like this before, and a lot of the time those Ohio State fans are all up in our faces about it. And it's like, except for your experience, Chris, most of the Ohio State fans were. Like, chill. I don't know what. I took, some, weird. I, I took well, some exception I was the to the only guy. Northwestern guy in my entire area. I mean, within at least fifty people around me in a big circle, I'm the only guy wearing purple. Everybody else is wearing red. There's, yeah, that's that's problem. I think I think I think they felt strength in numbers, and then in the section you guys were sitting in, there were far more Northwestern people. So while it's you know. I guess I I could almost forgive that Ohio State person for giving everybody crap because <laughs> he's giving a hundred people crap. <laughs> there, there, there's something about the Friday night uh, aspect to that that I think may have 
may have resulted in a slightly different. I mean, I even felt in the stadium that the that the Ohio State fans weren't nearly as loud as they usually are. But um, outside of that, you know, I you know, it it is what it is. I um not not to talk too much about about the Buckeyes themselves, but you know, you guys kind of alluded to it earlier. Their speed, their talent. It's 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 hard to measure yourself against them. I also throughout the course of this year, they just appear to me to be far more disciplined and focused and locked in than I've seen them ever during the Urban Meyer era, probably during much of the Jim, Jim Chessel era. This is a disciplined, um, laser-focused team right now. And, uh, yeah, feel, feel, feels like they're going to be going going a long ways uh, this college football season. It, it's a little bit surprising to me to see this team do as well as they are when it, it, for the most part, the same guys that were on the team last year. And Brian Day was, you know, the offensive coordinator last year. And they didn't have any problems on offense. But Ryan Day showed me uh, that he is, he's got the makings of a good coach by just cleaning house on defense. You know, a, a lot of guys in his shoes in that position where you're taking over for a legend would keep the staff. And and he said, no, nah, screw that. I'm, I'm going to keep my offensive guys that I know are doing a good job. And we're just going to start over from scratch. Like at Kirby Smart this year, it did not – he didn't do that. He hired from within and got coordinators that haven't really lived up to par per se. But, you know, Jim Chaney, offense coordinator, leaves for Tennessee. Mel Tucker gets the, uh, the head coaching job at – Colorado and he just you know moved guys up the ladder and it was just a comfort thing yeah you would think a first-time head coach like uh, like Ryan Day might want to stick with these are the guys that I know this is the first year it's a transition year no he said man we're going for this thing immediately and and they look fantastic I mean that's a that's a fantastic football team can he and Fitz hang out in the offseason? I was gonna say, I was gonna say, you're practically <laughs> triggering me with this talk here. Uh, yeah, it's a, the, it, have y'all talked at all uh, about the the fire McCall uh, flag? No, no, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> so I, I thought that you guys had set that up in the in the tailgate lot, and instead it was it was one of your buddies. But that was absolutely fantastic, and a hundred percent. Like that has got to happen. I haven't gotten to talk about it much uh, on with you guys, but man, it, at some point you have to have new blood. I understand that players come and go every four years. I get that. So it's not like hearing the same voice is going to disrupt the team. Maybe the same that it would in the NBA or in the NFL, like in a professional franchise where guys could stick around for years and years and years in, in college. It's not quite like that, but in this situation, there, he is. It, I was impressed that he at least tried a few new wrinkles with the offensive game call. But man, it, it's it, if you're just now throwing in wrinkles and it's the middle of October, it, the players are not going to be able to execute things like that uh, at this point in the season. Like if, if you're just starting it now and you continue to run with it, then maybe by you know middle of November. They're going to be comfortable enough with it to be able to execute. But yeah, good gracious, we we were all over the uh, the fire McCall sign. That was that that was a glorious glorious banner. 
it came with some fireball shots too. Uh, prop shout, shout out to those dudes. Um, the, D, the fire D, McCall shot. Yeah, D, Dean and Craig. Uh, prop, props to y'all. I'm so I'm curious because um, you know Chris as an LSU fan, uh, the LSU offense I believe has moved has moved. They've either increased their um, their yardage like 80 yards per game, or they've moved up like 80 slots in um, in S and P's rankings. But I, you know, what what does an offensive revolution feel like? Um, and, and, <laughs> and, and and do you feel like it's more? Do you feel like it's the coach, or do you feel feel like it's Joe Burrow? Like what? Like th- th- just tell us well, tell I mean, us what had, it's like. Had, yeah. No, so so I'm I'm with you guys and I'm used to this. So I saw this game and I was like, yeah, this is this is normal football to me. You know, boring, play good defense, try to play you know well on special teams, get a takeaway here or there if you can, and and hold it close. Uh, <clears throat> that's that's the only football I've ever known in my entire life. And uh, and then yeah, Joe Brady comes in and uh, teaches Joe Burrow at a completely different offense and revolutionizes football in Louisiana. And I, you know, if they're not, you know, the number, I don't know how they can't be the number one offense in the country with, with the, the caliber of defenses they've gone up against, but also, I mean, they're averaging like eight yards of play every game. You know, it's not, it's, it's not just, we have one game where we beat the hell out of one team. So the yards per play and the yards per their points per play are, 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 you know, have to be better than everybody else's in the country. Um, they don't go on long drives. It's just crazy, fast, explosive, and it is the most exciting feeling in the world. It it really is. So, I, you know, is that hope there for you guys? If you make a change, and I don't know who you can go get. Um, I, you know, you brought up the name Matt Canada. As soon as you did that, the first thing I did was go Google, "Where's Matt Canada?" And guess what? <laughs> Matt Canada is sitting at a house on North Carolina Beach right now. Like he is unemployed. Hey, that's insane. Hey, he likes available. he likes be- does he like beaches? We have beaches. We've got a nice <laughs> lakefront, a beautiful uh, Chicago, lakefront facility. Chicago is far nicer than uh than North Carolina. That's not a <laughs> not a knock or a besmirch on the good people of North Carolina, but I really really enjoyed my time there. So I I will tell you this: I came home and started googling how much does tuition cost in North Carolina, and told the wife, hey. Maybe if one of our kids was smart enough, or at Northwestern, Northwestern, yeah. I apologize. Yeah, I can get them in North Carolina tomorrow, even even <laughs> even as a third grader. <laughs> so uh, that's yeah, that's not a problem at all. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I, I was very interested in uh, in in possibly having more excuses to continue to go up there. So, well, you guys are always welcome, uh, and anytime you want to get out of the heat, uh, cool off a little bit. I think you know. It was really the perfect, like, seriously, like the weather, oh my goodness, was perfect for football. Like for a night game in October, nice little crisp in the air, not too cold, not too, it was like, the game aside, that was just a really, really enjoyable evening. Well, we, we brought night. that. I was about to yeah. say, I'll take credit for that if yeah, I can. We, we brought so, that with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, listen, you know, called in a favor or two. It happened. So... <laughs> Yeah, as, as we look ahead to the, the second half of the season, um, you know, we got Iowa coming up this weekend for the Cats. And then, you know, you've got Indiana, Purdue, uh, Minnesota, UMass, uh, Illinois, who all of a sudden beats Wisconsin out of nowhere. But, um, what, 
what does this Northwestern team need to do in the second half of the year to to salvage something? Other than fire the offensive coordinator, because right. we know that's not going to happen. Okay, I, I actually I actually have an opinion on this because I I you're not going to like the answer though, but I think you go back to what's always gotten you there, which is you play ball control, you play great defense because you've got the dudes to play defense and you can and you can slow these teams down, but the best defense is no defense at all. I think you run the football, you keep the ball away from them. I do believe you have the talent on the offensive side of the ball to control the clock, control the game, control the ball, score when you can, and and just keep it low and slow. I know that's boring. I know that's not what you want to hear. You want to throw 40 times a game and, and put up 50 points, but – I don't know that you have the skill players to do it. So even if they were calling those offensive plays, it's just going to be a bunch of three and outs real quick. And while I think you guys are every bit as good as Purdue, you know, at the same time, man, I know that team can score. You know, if you you try to score fast and you don't, you're going to be in trouble. And I think that was their problem actually against uh, uh, what's the one game they could have went to Nebraska. Should have won Nebraska. Yeah, should have yeah. won Nebraska. And, and, and the way you win Nebraska is you keep your defense off the field, and you just make that Nebraska defense stay on there all day long. You never let them get off the field. I, I will say this to give you guys at least a little bit of hope. Uh, I mean, your one win is against UNLV, and that's the same team that went down to Vanderbilt <laughs> and beat them by 24 points. So, you know, I, it, I look at things a little differently than, than Chris does. Uh, I would play out Iowa, the, you know, this weekend the same way uh, as usual. Like, go in, try and get a win, do what he's talking about. But, but after that, like, once you've got that sixth loss, uh, I think I think you try and do anything you can to change it up and get the guys ready for next season. Like, get get Hunter, you know, if, if he ever comes back. Well, the problem is, is if he's still redshirt eligible. That's what we were. Yeah, we're gonna burn that. Yeah, y'all hadn't talked about that on the show yet, have you? Not yet. Not, no. not yet. Hey, let, how about we go ahead and dive into that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're if, yeah. The, let, we're, let's put our tinfoil hats on here for a second and uh Yeah, yeah, go let's let's preface it like with okay, he didn't play again in the Ohio State game. Yeah. And uh, he like, has only played in what? In He played in the Stanford games? game, he played the UNLV game, uh he played in the Michigan State MSU. game. And yep. he played uh, in the Wisconsin game, so four games, and then that's and it. he got hurt. So four games, he got, so so he got two, hurt against Wisconsin. In theory, were he not to play the rest of the season, two years from now he'd have an excellent case to petition for a sixth year of eligibility. He would absolutely be in line <laughs> to to petition. I mean, he'd have a very good chance of getting that extra year. Um, and for that matter, you know, TJ Green will be the the. Uh, will be the test case, the canary in the coal mine for that, because I think TJ is probably going to apply for next year of eligibility himself, which, which again, it's, we're, we're, you know, literally we'd be running back the exact same chaos next season um, with just so few, the, the, so few questions answered. But yes, as things currently stand, when you start and realize if Hunter Johnson does not play this week, he will not have played in a month. And you have to start asking yourself, all right, his helmet was on all game. He was dressed. But at Northwestern, you don't know what that means. It's funny. Gary, I was reading Nick Saban, not the most loquacious individual in the world, <laughs> discussing, 
discussing Tua Tagovailoa's injury status, I felt like he was standing there with medical documentations and a flow chart and like walking us through it compared to what we're used to relative to Fitz. I was like, he actually like sort of told us what the problem was with Tua. He gave us like a rough timetable. Fitz would be like, yeah, Hunter's looking real good. He wants to be out there and, you know, and we're going to see. That's all you would get. And, uh, and, and, and so, injury report comes out on Thursday. Right. <laughs> so so I've, got, I've got an answer for that, though. And this is, this, is, this is not anything against Fitz. But Nick has to do that because there's a difference in the fan bases. And if he doesn't and he just keeps them in the dark, there will be 9 million Alabama people storming the hospital to find out what the hell is going on. <laughs> well, we talk, we talk about that with Fitz because Fitz will he, – he's like wants his cake and he wants to eat it too. Fitz went on this – when the, the lakefront, lakefront facility was opened, he ambushed everybody with this rant about Northwestern fan support and was basically like, we got this great facility. Now it's on the fans. You guys need to all step up and everything. But in Fitz's mind, step up means a very specific thing. It means more. Don't ask questions. Exactly. And that's the thing. And it's like, if it's like, if you want a way more involved vociferous fan base, there I hit you with Lacrosis and vociferous. I'm really dealing right now. Um, that's, that's some, that's the Northwestern-ish. Right I'm, re- I'm really dealing right now. Thank, thank, <laughs> thanks, uh, Hennessy privilege. Um, but, <laughs> um, but he's like right now he's got you know at more Northwestern involved a more involved Northwestern fan base than there's ever been. And that involved fan base is like, what the heck is going on right now? We yep. want changes. And, and uh, he's and coming. Tell us what and, the heck is going on with this injury report. And he doesn't want to hear that. And, you know, Fitz is coming out with the, Oh, we're just going to press control alt delete on the first half of the, of the oh, first half God. of the year and re reboot it. I mean, he's making these really bizarre metaphors. I mean, like the Monday Press conferences are almost appointment TV to see kind of where he's going to go next as far as like getting going crazy. Fitz is going to turn into a Mike Mike Gundy meme. Like this is going to happen. He ducked under the podium this time to look for like a magic button to fix everything. Um, It's, it's getting, yeah, it's getting a little wild. So I'm curious. So we talked a little bit about Hunter Johnson and, you know, injury notwithstanding, because he, he might be injured. We might be redshirting him at the state. Like who knows? But, um, like knowing what y'all knew about him at Clemson, the expectations come like just how surprising is it for for yourselves who are in my book college football experts? Um, like that's very the, nice of you to say. Well, <laughs> I know, started this thing off calling us gentlemen. Very loose interpretation of that, and then now you're calling us experts. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sweet man. Well, I, you know what. Look, Superlatives. I, I, had, I had Northwestern at ten and two this year, based specifically on the fact that, holy crap, you guys have a real quarterback. Like it, it and, and not that that Clayton wasn't right. Like I, I, I thought he was great, but I thought, okay, you've got a real quarterback, and you can really do uh, some some fantastic things with him and with this offense. Like, I thought Bowser was going to be great. I thought, okay, the offensive line looks like it could be improved. Like, you can really make some noise in the Big Ten. And instead, uh, it has just been in 
insanely disappointing. Like it, 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 Hunter being in for the four games that he was, he at at it, I don't know that there was any point that I felt good about him being in the ball game in any of the four games that he played. Like he looked confused almost the entire time, and I feel like I don't necessarily put that on the kid as much as I do on the coaching staff for just not having him ready. Like I know that he is a better quarterback than what he has shown. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the problem that, that Chris and I both had with Joe Moorhead coming down to Mississippi State last year. Nick Fitzgerald, and Chris said this on our, our podcast on, I think, on Sunday. He said, uh, Joe Moorhead came down to Mississippi State with a quarterback with Nick Fitzgerald that really had done incredible things. He was like a top three quarterback, quarterback in the SEC. SEC. Yeah. And, and he turned him into nothing. And it was almost criminal because yeah. people blamed Fitzgerald, but the coach didn't put him in a position to succeed. And I feel like that's what's going on with with Hunter. Like, I, I just – I don't know what the answer is to fix it, but it, it's almost like – I do. Nobody, it, nobody improved, right? Hey, go ahead. Tell me what your answer is. <laughs> well, it's the answer we all want, and we're – we're most likely not going to get it until the end of the season, but no, I, I wait, John. What did you say you were looking at earlier today, trying to to to, to delve financial potential oh, well, for? Well, so it's like a, it's yeah. I I was uh, first of all shouts to Ella Brockway because it was her tweet that led to me doing this. But there's what salary information about coaches coming out, and as anyone will tell you, it's. It tends to be harder to get Northwestern salary information because we are a private institution. But that doesn't mean you can't get it. You can totally get it. You just have to go a couple tax returns back um, <laughs> and look at the filings. And that was when Ella kind of mentioned that. And as a lead-in, I think it's really funny that you've got um, Gary, Alabama fan, Chris, LSU fan. Um, and, of course, we're Northwestern, so right now you're talking about Saban, Fitz, and Coach O at LSU. And of those three guys, um, the highest paid guy makes, you know, close to twice what the second highest paid guy makes. And the second highest paid guy makes close to twice what the third highest paid guy makes. The surprising thing is that the order goes Saban, Fitz, O. Um, and that's because, you know, we've learned Fitz is making – well over $5 million, and that's based on the numbers from a couple of years ago. It's very possible that he's making around $6 million, and Saban's, what, pushing 10 and uh, and owes, I guess, 3 Although, like Chris, you said, he's got, I think, you know, plenty of incentives built into his contract. But That's what the, his contract should be, though. Oh, I oh, I agree. And to that point, and, and to the same points we've been beating to death for weeks, I – so – I immediately went and I was like, well, I'll go look in ProPublica. You can pull it right up. And by the way, I encourage any curious Northwestern fan, go. All you have to do is just Google Northwestern tax returns in ProPublica. You can look at the 2017 one, which I'm pretty sure is what Ella did. Um, and you can look at the salaries for every notable Northwestern employee. So if you're at all curious, um, you know, Collins is on there. Fitz is on there. Um, in, and if you're wondering, like, you know, who are the 10 highest paid professors at Northwestern, et cetera. It's all on there. What isn't on there, and of course, you know where, you know where I'm going, uh, <laughs> is what the assistants are paid. Because that's why I pulled it up. That's what I was curious to see if it, if it was on there. And they're not required to, 
to disclose that information. You get what Fitz makes, you get what Collins makes, and that's what you get. They're the guys under them. You're not required to. They're not required to disclose that information. But it would stand to reason that a coach who has clearly, based on what he's being paid, fits. I think the number, you know, Ella Adam is the 12th highest paid coach in the country. Um, a coach who's being paid that much relative to the other 130 head football coaches in the country is doing right by his assistants. And, and, and that was, that was a big thing. Like, you know, Fitz was really, you know, riding for, you know, assistance pay. I, I remember that a few years ago. He's like, you know, we need to make sure that the assistants are getting taken care of. Right. And which is just, again, I'm only basing this on intuition. I would say that our assistant coaches are being pretty well taken care of right now. So factor that into everything else. Um, you know, I, I believe that, that there's a lot of money going toward, you know, to, toward the, the assumption or expectation of performance. So. Um, it's just, it's one more thing to, to consider. But yeah, no, yes, we are to the point right now where I'm digging through ProPublica documents to be like, I want numbers attached to this performance. Um, hey, I've, and, I've, got yeah. a, I've got a question. Uh, <coughs> do, do any of you know who Charlie Heverin is? I do not. No. Charlie Heverin started a change.org petition to fire Northwestern's offensive coordinator, Mick McCall. He has 74 supporters right now, and he's wanting to get it up to 100. Now, tell me, would 100, uh, would that matter? No. <laughs> Not no. a pretty small number. No. I'm, I'm just surprised because – I mean, we could get it to 100 tonight. <laughs> yeah, tonight. That does I, mean, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's what I was saying that, you know, to, to Gary's – point earlier is like it's it's yeah it's apples and freight trains when you're talking about alabama fan base versus uh northwestern fan base yeah. but yeah no i i mean and you know we've got a long way to go but i mean our you know our listener base is the core of it and we can tell you that you know they're the fans who care care a heck of a lot um and yeah so we're but it, it is kind of funny, though, to look and be like, you know, we have one of the highest paid athletic directors in the country. We have one of the highest paid head coaches in the country. And, and you know, that money was earned with success big time. But there is that expectation. And if we don't have 100,000 screaming fans in the stands, what we do have is is uh, a really educated fan base that understands exactly, you know, where the money is going and, and what the performance is and the changes that need to be made. You're, you have an educated fan base. Y'all are not easily duped. I will assure you of that. Because there are many fan bases down here in the South that are, and not just in the South, there's not a knock on the South, all across the country that are easily duped. So, I, you know, I, I made a joke. You asked me before we started recording what uh, what I thought about the fact that Pitt's making double what, uh, what O made. And, you know, I'm in the construction business, if you will. I, I know what, what new construction at homes cost, and I'm going to venture to say that the cost of living in Chicago might be double what it is in Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. <laughs> so maybe, maybe it's just one of those things where they're paid the same and they just live in different places. I don't know. Well, I will say this. Like, Fitz is 100% worth the money. Like, he's, he has had a lot of success there. 
what the team was and what he has turned it into at this season aside, at like that is this program is not a laughing stock. Like and nationally, they are very well represented. They are very well respected. And this season is just an abomination. Like, I don't know exactly how to describe uh, the, the level of surprise that, that we had. Because after last season, obviously, you had a few things that you could look at and say, oh, okay, that's really what the team is, right? The, the loss to Akron and, and whatever, going, you know, 0-3 in non-conference and then going 8-1 and in the division and winning the division championship. Like, it, I, it, this, this season has made no sense. Like you, you upgrade the talent, or at least according to the numbers you have, and the team has gotten substantially worse. So I do wonder, back to what we talked about at the beginning, the the rest of the season, the schedule eases up a lot. Um, wins against Michigan State and Wisconsin and Ohio State, even in the state of the program that Michigan State is in, et cetera. Like that, those are still basically considered upsets, right? Like th- those programs put a lot more resources into their football program, uh, at least, you know, outsiders, you know, perspective. It, th- those kind of games, like it, losing to Stanford, eh, okay, you know, it is what it is. You got to go on the road. We we get it, I guess. Uh, well, not see, great this year, see what but... Stanford has done the rest of the season makes that you know not look quite as respectable as. We thought it might, but, but the point, the point they, is well they taken. They had their players. Like at Stanford had their players at that point, right? Like yeah, they're just you know, they're now, destroyed by injuries right now. And that started yeah. with in our game. Like they lost oh, yeah. their tackle for the year. Costello went out. Yeah, it, it absolutely did. But those, see, those all of the losses that you guys have had are uh, totally understandable. But the mm. issue is that Nebraska is not understandable. It okay, Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It yeah, is what it is. I'm gonna. I, I just. I know. I keep pouring salt in that wound. That that's a win you just have to have. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, but other than that, I mean, for the most part, these are all games that at most seasons you kind of expect to lose. Now the rest of the schedule, like that, all opens up. You know, Minnesota way better than we thought, but I you know, <laughs> it, it we'll we'll see. Like at least their record is better. Oh sure, than, yeah, uh, their record than we thought. Still not sold the, on the, the teams. Like that that team is absolutely susceptible to to being caught, and it's not like you guys couldn't catch them. So, you know, I I do think uh, the rest of the season could be successful, but at this point, I mean, it's it's one and five, and you know, you're you're shooting for six and six. Look, okay. I'm willing to make the same offer to you guys that I made to Rutgers. Open invitation right now. Take whatever you're paying your coach, cut it in half, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it right now. I can beat UNLV. I can beat UMass. I can do that. Hey, Rutgers. Chris, can you beat Illinois? Oh, I don't know, man. Uh, the Black Santa. That, uh, that's tough. <laughs> I know. He listen, he was dancing and hopping Saturday night. I, I, felt, I felt a little bad about all the noise I talked about, lovey. Speaking of salt in the wound, boy, uh, that's just as if we needed one more thing. Um, uh, but yeah, that was, 
That was rough. And I mean, really, the, the real takeaway for um, for those of us who weren't as <clears throat> high on Wisconsin as as others, um, I think it's, it says, you know, if anything, that Illinois is a little bit more dangerous. And that's just the last thing I want to deal with, just because it's, you know, I we really in some years, you know, I'm looking at Illinois as just a shade above UMass here and being like, all right, well, we'll get UMass, we'll get Illinois. And this year, I mean, I, could we beat you know, every team we play from November on, absolutely we could. But man, there, there's, you know, aside from UMass, there's no gimme on here. And I think, I don't know. I, again, it's like, it's outside perspective. Um, you know, and I'd be curious to hear what you think, but I mean, I, you could make a legitimate argument right now that we are the second worst team in the Big Ten after Rutgers. I mean, obviously the record backs it up. But I was uh, I was just about to say it might be the year that Illinois is saying, well, we get UMass and we get Northwestern. Yeah. And uh <laughs> Right. I don't know. You, there's there's something Chris and I talked about uh early in the year and, and we continue to hash on it. it. College football as a whole has completely shifted over the past uh, four years, I guess. It, it's almost uh unrecognizable. Because it, Alabama can't play defense. LSU, uh, not really a good defensive team. These offenses are explicit. You have to be able to score points. The game has changed. To, to win now. Yeah. So the game is completely different now than it was even in like 2015. And you have to be willing to adapt. And that's what I'm curious about. Fitz doesn't seem to be willing to do that at this point. So I'm I'm curious if he will make that change, and if he's not, like that is that's a major league problem. So honest opinion is this, okay? You you want you want brighter days for the future. Sometimes you have to break something to 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 build it back up, okay? And and I don't think half-ass breaking it is going to do it. I think you got to break it all the way. And and I well, think Michigan if, State tried that. I think if, I think if you were to if you were to lose every game but the UMass and the UNLV game, there would have to be changes. Somebody would demand it. That's the thing. You okay, don't want to say it going through it, but at the same time, does it make you better tomorrow by doing it? We we know enough from people we we know that know people in high places that that is absolutely true. Um, and and I you know I think I think you only need to look as far as Ann Arbor to see a situation where even even a change at offensive coordinator hasn't been enough to really impact or influence every, anything. I mean, Harbaugh's mentality and approach and philosophy around football is still guiding that program offensively, and they're stunted because of it. I mean, they should be sitting, sitting in the catbird seat right now in the Big Ten, given the talent that they have and what they have coming back and everything else, and they can't get out of their own way. They're still operating the you know the the offense he ran at Stanford in 2007. Well, the, well, the thing that you that's what Gary need. was saying is yeah, it, let me tell you, Michigan's problems is they're still trying to win with defense and 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 running the football and ball control and and the if you want to win at the level they want to win at, we're not talking about Northwestern trying to go six and six in a bowl game. We're we're talking about trying to compete for national titles and beating Ohio State. You you have to play offense now. And, yeah, and well, the biggest thing, the, the difference here is it, what you were talking about, how just changing offensive coordinators doesn't doesn't necessarily work or doesn't always help. Uh, the change is you need a guy that is 
on the same wavelength as the head coach. Like Josh Gaddis and Jim Harbaugh are completely different, but you you can still be creative and not go air raid, right? Yes. Like if, yes, if you guys were exactly. bringing Graham Harrell as your offensive coordinator, like I don't know how well that would work. It it was kind of the same thing with Florida State where they have can we can we can style. we can we just try it though and then see how it would work and then. <laughs> I'm uh, if, if Willie Taggart's gone, like Kendall Browse will be looking for work. So. Well, well, my my point was not. Oh, oh we hard hard him. pass on Bryles here. Hard uh, pass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't 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 even get me started on that. Um, but like, so my my point was not like that we should keep McCall because oh look at Michigan they changed their OC and it didn't work. My point no, was that no, we, no, I'm with we it, it 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 has to be a change. The OC has to be removed and. Whatever Fitzgerald's stubbornness about the the identity that he wants his team to own, it has to evolve. It has to change. It has to allow for that that creativity, that adaptability you guys have been talking about. Because without that, we're we're just going to be stuck in the same in the same situation, no matter who's calling plays. Yeah, no, I I do agree with that. That's that that's a big part of this. Is you got to find guys that that Fitz is comfortable with that will work with the defense, with the offense, with, with everything. And it, it's difficult to find those guys. Like I understand that part of it, but if you don't change anything, you get left behind. And that's kind of what looks like is happening. So this is yep. where Dick Gary and I disagree. Again, I don't think you need to work together at all. Listen, find somebody that challenges you, find somebody that stretches you, molds you that he needs to hire somebody that makes him uncomfortable. That That's willing to say, we have to have multiple. You're at a university. It's all about the exchanging of ideas. If you just <laughs> surround yourself with everyone who believes just like you do, then your team is all going to go in the same direction. But right now, that direction is backwards. Does Gardner okay, Minshew well, want to be a? Hey, congratulations. Does Gardner Minshew want to be an offensive coordinator? Yeah, yeah that probably in a few years. He would. He would make Mr. Fitz. Uh, very uncomfortable. I believe. Damn straight he would. <laughs> but hey, what kind of what kind of stick man would he be in a city like Chicago? Oh, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh, man, he would put up Joe Kim Noah numbers. <laughs> Good lord. Good lord. <laughs> did well, we derail? Did I cross the line? I yeah. Was, uh, no, you're all before good, before you're we all go good. down to the, down this Who's rabbit hole, um, Western people, I'll let my my ignorance out there, but. <laughs> No worries at all. Little fired up about Minshew. <laughs> whatever, whatever, oh, man. That's man. I, I brought him up for a for a reason. Like I, I knew I like you know. <laughs> well, guys, um, we don't we don't want to keep you on all night. We definitely appreciate you coming on to uh, kind of help us work through this, uh, you know, this game this weekend and uh, these difficult times. Yeah, it's it's almost uh, therapeutic, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and you know, there, there's only so much that we can talk to each other about it. And, you know, we we've, we've all heard each other's points already and you know we're i'm starting to get you know bored of john you know his, his wisconsin takes you know we heard it okay you don't think you're <laughs> when, hey listen when they pull off the upset this weekend at the house the big house whatever they call it the horseshoe, horseshoe. horseshoe. yeah the horseshoe. whatever yeah <laughs> yeah whatever whatever they call that place up there you're 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 gonna tell me i'm right i was right they just got caught last week i'm still on them <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, just whistling over here in the corner. <laughs> hey, you called me an expert, all right? That's your fault, <laughs> not mine. That is, that is completely your fault, not mine. 
<laughs> well, Chris, Gary, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys again so much for coming up. It was so much fun. And, you know, we're going to have to make sure we do this again maybe next year down in Baton Rouge. What do you guys say? I uh, I was I was meandering around the the cost of hotel rooms and 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 when we could book them and all of that stuff. So it actually seemed pretty reasonable. All right. Well, we guys, we will definitely touch base <laughs> uh, down the road a little bit, and um, appreciate you coming on. Have uh, a we, good night, fellas. We Thank appreciate you. you guys. Thank you for having us again. And uh, and yeah, it, you know we love you guys. We will come on whenever you have us. All right. Our brothers from another podcast. Oh, once again, thanks so much for Chris and Gary. Uh, Winning Cures Everything. Check them out. They, they do a fantastic job. Uh, their, their podcast is phenomenal. So uh, if you're looking for another podcast, be sure to check them out because they, they're really fantastic. And um, again, it was the game aside, that was one of the most fun I've had at a game in a really, really long time. The football was what the football was. You know, I, I don't think any of us were in, under any illusion that we were going to win that game. I I know we all wanted to keep it a little bit closer, but Ohio State's just, I mean, they're next level. They're so good. And, you know, just the the rest of the weekend was just so much fun. Well, we we talked a little bit about it with Gary, Gary and Chris a minute ago, but the, you know, going into the season, this idea of a game on Friday night just seemed just phenomenally stupid. Um especially being a rematch of the Big Ten Championship. And then, of course, with, you know, the way Northwestern's been playing and, and with World Series stuff, it, like the game even got bumped off of Fox, uh, which, like, just, just catastrophically stupid to have this game scheduled when it was. But that being said, it was kind of awesome. Like, I, I do think it took a little bit of the punch out of the Ohio State crowd. I, um, if, for some unforeseen and unannounced reason, they opened the tailgating lots like an hour and a half early. Not that we were able to capitalize on all of that, but it, 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 I don't know, like from the moment I arrived at the South golf lot, like the whole adventure had been like, like, like got de-stressed a little bit. And in the end, it was kind of nice. I'd, I'd, I'd probably sign up for Northwestern doing a Friday night game again in the future. It just, it was so good. Yeah, it was a great atmosphere. And honestly, I mean, Chris and Gary talked about it, but that's about as much fun as I've had at a pregame tailgate ever. I mean, it was that fun. I mean, those guys, as you know, you guys are listening. If you weren't at the tailgate, you can kind of gleam just from them being on here that they are a blast to be with. And I mean, we had a, a great group, a bunch of friends. I mean, Emily Harriet came by briefly and some other, you know, a bunch of listeners to the pod came by. Um, some f- folks from the wild side swung by. It was yep, you know, yep. really great to, for everyone who did come by, big shout outs to all of you. Another, an, an, another holler out to Dean and his fire McCall flag, his custom uh, fire McCall flag. If you haven't seen it, look for it this weekend. Um, they also will be carting around some fireball uh, shots to go along with that. And I mean, in the South Gulf lot too, I mean, there were a ton of Ohio State people, but unlike the stadium, it didn't feel, it felt like a split crowd. There were a lot of Northwestern people where we were. It was, you know, a great overall atmosphere. We had so much food. Scuzz alone brought what twelve pounds of brisket. It was unbel- yes, It was unbelievably good. And it was it was absolutely fantastic. And John, shout out to you that that Cajun lime chicken was fantastic. I took that recipe and made a batch myself the next day. Uh, yeah, it was. So I mean, we had all that food plus we had the usual brats and 
And it was, I mean, that watching 12 pounds of brisket get just erased by a bunch of people. <laughs> it was, At the end of the tailgate, too, I was kind of stunned. Like, we went through over 20 pounds of meat, um, plus gosh knows, gosh knows what else, uh, beer-wise and yeah. sides, et cetera. But it was just, I mean, it was nonstop, just talking to everyone, great time for, you know, a solid four hours before the game. And it was, it was just fantastic. It was such a good time. And, yeah, I mean, that helped – it helped uh, soften the blow of the game a little bit, and now I think you know we're we're pivoting. We're going to talk about Iowa, and it's it's just it's kind of strange. And and Scuzz, I think one thing that you've talked about earlier this season on and off the pod, and I agree with you, is that Iowa is an offensively challenged football team to say the least. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, and especially against teams that can slow down their running game, right? Um, and then even against teams that like shouldn't be able to slow down their running game, like they they struggled to score a lot of points and put Purdue away last weekend. Uh, they they scored three against Michigan. They scored what twelve against Penn State, seventeen against or eighteen I think against Iowa State. Like they've just not been putting up a lot of a lot of numbers. The the read on them from from my perspective coming into the season is Nate Stanley, you know, plateaued. Uh, from 2017 into 2018, that has clearly continued. He's 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 not you know grown or, or improved dramatically. Um, they still have a decent O line and a decent running game with with Mackay Sargent, but they lost their three biggest targets and they they don't have the explosiveness or the efficiency or the pedigree in their receiving core to do a lot of damage to teams. And and, and you know on the other side of the ball, their defense is good, but like this is a this is a winnable game for us. It's it's funny because I I hate everything about the control alt delete nonsense that fits throughout there, but it's it's actually kind of apt. Like like thinking about the back half of our season and how much of a of a switch this is to flip from coming off of of Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan State, etc. And you kind of wonder too with Iowa. I mean, it's it's tough because the the knee jerk, the sensible reaction is to say Iowa's defense is bad, but they're not. I mean, Iowa's offense is bad, but it's not Northwestern bad. That is a totally reasonable thing to say. We are an offensive... 100%. Yeah, we are an offensive train wreck. And it's funny, you know, we alluded to it a little bit on on our pod. I mean, when we had the Winning Cures Everything guys on just now, um, that were, you know, you saw some flashes of things and we, because we're looking so deeply at the program, so deeply at the offense can say, well, look, you know, we have our reservations about the way that some of the exciting and fun offensive wrinkles that we finally saw in the Ohio state game. Are we going to continue to see those things? We did see at least some, some signs of things. And when you, you juxtapose, okay, this Ohio state stampede was going to run over anybody and has run over everybody. We at least saw some things. That's what we wanted going in, etc. To a casual fan and a casual Northwestern fan, it just looks like our crap offense got thumped again. And it certainly is not going to quell the overall chorus calling for Mick McCall's head, nor are we advertising that it is. But at the same time, with all that said, you do kind of wonder. Iowa has been able to play. Um, they, I mean... They play Iowa State. They played at Iowa State. We played at Stanford. Both of those games were garbage, awful, tight games. Iowa State, Iowa won theirs. We lost ours. And then Iowa got all their delicious creamy frosting at the beginning of the year. 
38 points of Miami of Ohio. They got to play Rutgers, 30 points Rutgers, 48 points Middle Tennessee State. So you're like, okay, they've scored points in those games. We haven't gotten our UMass cupcake yet. And again, I, I know it sounds like I'm putting the cart before the horse saying anything about our offense. But it is worth wondering truly how similar or different our offense is. Because, I mean, this Iowa team did nothing against Michigan. They did nothing against Penn State. And you say, all right, well, our offense has done nothing either. But, again, it could be two teams that are just going to be incapable of scoring against each other in this game. I'll take that immediately (laughs) if that's what I'm being offered. Well, the over-under for the game is 37.5. Oh boy. And Iowa is a ten and a half point favorite. So Again, and that's you can fold that right in. And again, okay. I'm not I joked about it during the pod. I'm not gonna say that I saw the Wisconsin game the Wisconsin Illinois game coming. And truth be told, Wisconsin should have at least one loss now in my mind. It shouldn't have been that loss. That was a freak game. There were a bunch of weird turnovers and things like that. Statistically, Illinois did not play particularly well in that game, yet they somehow miracled their way into this win. But my overall thesis about the conference is, you could talk me into Penn State being a good football team that is getting better as the season goes on. Um Ohio State is lords just miles above everybody else. But you've got a team like Iowa ranked right now. They may not be ranked at the end of the year. I really don't think Michigan's going to be ranked at the end of the year. Wisconsin may get it together, and they'll probably stay ranked somewhere in the teens this year. Minnesota's bubble is going to burst, I would expect. It's just a mediocre year in the conference. And right now, I'm looking at Iowa, and I'm like, they're ranked... They have a great defense, but boy, I mean, it's like there, there, but for the grace of God goes us when I look at their schedule. And I know it's like, well, their offense this bad. I know that sounds maybe like it's a little bit of unnecessary hubris here, but I, but really what difference is there between these teams? Well, and the, the, the reason that that under or that, that over under is so low is, you know, Purdue, Purdue put up 20 points against Iowa last, last week. But their backup QB went 30 of 50 for 327 yards and two TDs. And that's just not in Northwestern's DNA right now. Purdue didn't even bother running the ball against Iowa. We are probably going to try to run the ball against Iowa. They are probably going to try to run the ball against us. Uh, neither thing is going to do a lot of damage. And this game's going to end like, you know, 15 to 12. Um, I, I don't know. I guess it's... It, the it, fact that it's it's going to come down home. to turnovers and special teams. I, I yeah, really pro- think. probably right. And and okay, so like it's as good a place as here, right, to talk about Nate Stanley because I think I saw someone um, someone this week. If it was Inside and you credit there, I, I'm not exactly sure. Made was making the point that Nate Stanley is roughly equivalent to Clayton Thorson, statistically slightly more efficient. But aside from that, they're similar in a lot of ways statistically. And so you could say, well, Iowa still has that stabilizing force. And it's like, well, okay, but it's not like that's done anything for them this year. Like, it's not like that's not statistically represented anywhere. Um, and and again, it, it bears mentioning to, and, and I don't want to go too deep into this because this is a discussion more of like the whole second half of the season. We can talk about this down the road, but... For me, like the single most worrying thing, if you look at the stats from the Ohio State game, you see on paper it looks like Ohio State put up a ton of rushing yards, and that is a mirage. Uh, They had 
almost all of their rushing yards on three plays. One of those plays was totally legitimate. That was a J.K. Dobbins 66-yard run. We all saw that. That's just him being one of the five best running backs in the country. Like, we bottled him up all day. He got daylight once, and that was all he needed for 66 yards to the house. The other two runs, which was like a 70-something and a 51, I'm sorry, like, not to take a shot at our backups, but the backup units, we made a wholesale substitution to backup defense in the fourth quarter, and the first play after that was a 70-something touchdown run, and the third play after that was a 51-yard run. So this is all to say the starters did not give up those rushing yards, and that was long after the game had been decided and, and the white flag had been raised. But uh, you did see Justin Fields escaping all day and throwing to open guys all day. But it's like, what... If anything, can you extrapolate from that to the Iowa game? I mean, yeah, Nate Stanley is a somewhat efficient quarterback. What else are you going to take? Well, out of that? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to extrapolate one thing, and that's that you know Northwestern all last year did pretty well containing pro style QBs, and then Dwayne Haskins made us look silly in the Big Ten championship game because we just couldn't tackle him. Right. Just Justin Fields is better than Haskins in that regard. I mean, he was he was there. There were at least three times that we felt like we had him dead to rights, and he just, I mean, he he escaped effort, effortlessly. Um, Nate Stanley does not have that skill in his toolkit, right? And um, that that just that just creates a different animal. The other thing, like yeah yeah they they threw the ball pretty well on us. Like Fields was eighteen of twenty three. Um, but at the same time, like they didn't, they didn't gash us through the air, you know. Well, and we, the other we, thing too is, you know, like Hankowitz traditionally tries, he gives that stuff up. So it's like, you know. Yep, yep. We held, you know, we we held Chris Olav under his uh, under his his average. Um, we held uh, KJ Hill and uh, and and Benjamin Victor under their averages. Now, now, granted, I don't think I think it became pretty clear that Ohio State didn't need to um, uh, to air it out you know, uh, dramatically to, to win this game. So that might be a little bit misleading. And they certainly, whenever they, whenever they wanted to throw a 15 to 25 yard touchdown pass, it seems like they were able to. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say that all of a sudden our defense is, is, is gone. I I thought they performed decently in this game. And the one thing that I, that I think Fitz said that was pretty accurate post game is you know they were they were asking him like did they you know Ohio State in the second quarter has annihilated teams did they do something different and Fitz said no they're running the plays we expected them to run they just they're too fast they're too good we we couldn't stop it and um that's that is not a problem that we will face against Iowa now at the same time like all the other problems that have plagued Northwestern whether it was the Michigan State game or the Wisconsin game or the Nebraska game or the Stanford game you know, kind of bubble back up and it's, it's going to be one of these tight back and forth affairs where we're tearing our hair out because, you know, every pass is five yards uh, from the line of scrimmage. So, you know, hope, hopefully we, we see something beyond that, but um, I think it remains to be, remains to be seen. And, 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 and to that point too, the QB remains a gargantuan question mark right now. Yeah. And like, although again, like, I, I can't complain too much about Eden Smith. I just like, it's, it's, it just remains weird. And, you know, at, at this point in the season, too, like, you know, early in the season, we are, we're always concerned, like, oh, Fitz isn't going to open up the playbook. Everything's going to stay under wraps. 
we're, what are we saving it for at this point? I mean, there's there's no reason to keep anything, you know, hush-hush under wraps. You know, like, the playbook is what the playbook is. And you know, I, th- I think it's a lack of confidence in the team, in the ability of the team to execute right now. Sure. No. And, and like that is, that's a viable excuse as opposed to, we don't want to tip our hand. Like, you know, if, if it's, we don't think the team, like, you know, what, what you're saying, it's, if you don't have confidence in the team to run the play, to run the plays, then you call different plays. But if you're, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah that that's, I, that's the other half of that though. Like, I, like, I don't, I don't think they have, Confident. The, the the problem is that their solution when they when they are lacking confidence is not to do things to help build the guy's confidence. Is to say like, okay, well, let's only do these four things, yeah. and then once we get that right, then we'll we'll expand it again. And they've they've effectively shot themselves in the foot by doing that. So, right. I mean, and again, I like let's not sugarcoat it. Iowa's defense is unbelievably good. Like they're awesome, and. We scored three points against Ohio State. We may not break 10 against Iowa, and it's going to be that kind of game. The Michigan-Iowa game is an excellent model for the kind of game we could be looking at. I mean, Iowa lost that game 10-3. to Michigan is so similar to Northwestern. Um, and when Michigan loses a bunch more games the rest of this year, I think people are going to realize that. But the those two teams are just really similar. And I think Michigan, and I think that's that's the hope, and that's the the reason that that one that you know that over under sounds way too high to me, and the spread sounds too high too, because again, you're giving Iowa a heck of a lot of credit, and you're you're basically just arbitrarily saying Northwestern's defense is way worse than Michigan and Penn State and Iowa State, and I mean, I'm sorry, like. Iowa got Rutgers as a crossover game. We got Ohio State. Like, if you take that Rutgers game out of Ohio, out of Iowa's schedule, and you put Ohio State in that same spot, Iowa's been thumped by Ohio State right now. They're 3-3, three and three and they're not ranked. So, again, it's like they're, yeah, Iowa's, they're gifted in a lot of the same ways we are, probably more so on defense, a little bit more so on offense, maybe, but... There's also like a whole narrative that their schedules allowed them to build that ours hasn't. And again, it's like, are we going to prove that true? Because now we head into the, you know, the, the, the soft underbelly of our schedule. Um, and let's hope that this is going to be an ugly, low scoring mess of a game. And maybe, yeah, we get that defensive touchdown um, and we get something like that. And that's just enough to squeak by and get to the, the games we can really move the ball against. So we should probably move on, but but real quick before we do, just a word of advice to to everyone uh, headed out to this game and and future games. Like, if our experience from last Friday is um, instructive of anything, it's that a, a lot of fun can still be had at Northwestern football games right now. Um, enjoy the tailgate, enjoy the 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 camaraderie. Um, you know, don't worry about the game too much. Um, may, may, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to say sell your tickets to an Iowa fan, but don't do that. Maybe you sell, maybe you sell your tickets off and you just enjoy the tailgate. I just, you know, there's, there's, there's fun to be had. And, um, I don't want people to lose sight of that. Despite the fact that the product on the field right now is a, is a big question mark. And especially it's, it's homecoming this week. So there's going to be a lot of people in from out of town who we haven't seen in a while. Um, you know, 
people who come back once a year typically come back for homecoming. Uh, and it's going to be great to see everyone, um, you know, swing by the tailgate, uh, South golf lot, red pirate flag. You know where we are. Well, you probably don't know, don't know where we are because we haven't been there up until this year, but we're not hard to find. Um, come on by. We'd love to say hi, uh, share what food we have. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just have a good time. You know, expectations for the season are not, I mean, we have to reevaluate that and let's just go out and have a good time because it's just not worth getting so jacked up and fired up and disappointed when things go poorly on the field because that's what's happened this season. And it's just, let's let's try to, you know, take a deep breath and have, you know, clear our minds, come at this with a new, brighter, fresher attitude and, and we'll get through the back half of the season. And if things turn around, fantastic. Unless it turns around enough that we decide to keep McCall for another year. <laughs> Cross that bridge when we come to it. I, I am seriously like, and, and we're going to move on right after this, but I am, I'm feeling more and more like McCall is going to quote unquote retire at the end of this season. I, I would we, not be surprised if, that, yeah, if that's how this went down. We shall see. So elsewhere in the Big Ten, uh, also at 11 a.m., uh, the big game on Fox. Fox is doing a great job with their noon games. There's some really fun ones. Uh, Wisconsin at Ohio State. Ohio State a 14 and a half point favorite, uh, over under 50 and a half. Uh, I mean, yeah, could Wisconsin go in there and, and make it interesting? I don't. I don't think so. I, 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 don't, I don't believe so. Chris, Chris is so you you heard Chris earlier in the pod his 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 theory like watching our offensive line push Ohio State around a little bit his his thought process Wisconsin has uh, both the line and the running backs to do that and do some damage I just I just think Ohio State is operating on another level right now and um, I think they could have beat Northwestern much much worse than they did if they'd wanted to I think um, that's true of a number of their other games as well and uh, I just I think they've got a gear and a focus right now that, that can't be beat. Yeah, I agree. And I, again, I I don't think Wisconsin's a bad football team. I They're still going to be probably ranked 20th-ish or low teens after this game. But Ohio State is, they are a juggernaut. I mean, they might be the best team in the country. We're going to find out eventually. But uh, I don't see Wisconsin derailing that. Uh, Illinois at Purdue. Um, Illinois coming off there. Like we said, wonky win over Wisconsin. Um, it's the biggest win of the Lovey Smith era. Let's it, not undersell it. Really it is. No, I think you're absolutely right. Hey, hey, as disappointed as we are to lose the opportunity for Schadenfreude um, of Illinois to like carry us through our doldrums right now, this probably means at least another year or two of Lovey Smith, right? That, yeah, for sure. That's the silver lining. Fair. The gloriously white-bearded silver lining. Fair. All of a sudden, though, I mean, this Purdue game is massive for Illinois. Um, they're nine. They're nine point underdogs. Purdue is favored by nine on the backs of what they did against Iowa. One of the things that they did against Iowa that's really worth noting. We've talked a lot about you know Rondell Moore, who is who is doubtful for this game right now. Elijah Sindelar will not be back. He's out. David Bell, the Rondell Moore clone, who's a freshman this year that we were were I'm terrified of. Um, Less terrified without Rondell Moore on the field, but he put up 197 yards and two TDs against Iowa. Yeah, that dude is legit, and um, 
Illinois certainly has nobody that can stop him. I also don't believe that Purdue has a run defense to slow down Illinois. So like a line of nine is kind of confounding, but, um, but we'll see. Maybe you know Illinois going on the road. That's a that's a whole lot different from, from if, getting to play Wisconsin. Uh, I at mean, home. I'll tell you, if Illinois somehow wins that game, there Vegas will have them as as making a bowl game. That the odds coming out of that game will be Illinois bowling at six and six, and that will include Rutgers and Northwestern wins. So it's a massive game for them. So with that said, yeah, fall on your face, Illinois. Go to <laughs> Purdue and lose. Uh, Liberty at Rutgers just don't Nobody care. Cares. Um, Penn State at Michigan State. This is one where you could, I could see Penn State going in and having some trouble. This is an interesting one for me. I mean, I, Iowa played Penn State plenty tough, um, and, and, you know, solid defensive football team. So I don't know. I mean, Penn State, again, they seem like they're rounding into form. If that's true, let's see a convincing win. I mean, what, I mean, they're only Mich- six and Michigan a half. Michigan was playing with them. That whole game, I mean, that was right. That was right. There. Right. Uh, Penn State had that game, and then, um, like, re- like really, lo- like, took their foot off the gas. Like, I, like they, they kind of fell asleep, and they're lucky to have held on to win. Right. So, and I mean, they had the whiteout that night and everything. So now they got to go on the road to Michigan State. That these are two, you know, good defensive football teams. Let's see if Penn State's for real. They should get a convincing win here. Um, and if land, not, land, land, land grant trophy. Yeah. If Michigan State wins this game, this is a one-team conference, and that's kind of rough. But, but, uh, but yeah, I, I Penn State will probably pull it out. Uh, Maryland at Minnesota. So Maryland has gotten um, smoked. Well, I guess I guess they can get smoked by Indiana, but they've gotten beat beat four of their last five and beat pretty pretty convincingly three of the last four. Um, lost to Indiana at home. Lost like got hammered on the road at, at Purdue. I don't I don't see how they slow this Minnesota rushing attack. Do you guys? Nope. No. Probably not. I mean, but again, like you could definitely talk me into Minnesota winning this game forty to forty-one because that, or like forty-one to forty, because it's been that kind of season for them. They've lived a charmed life so far, but I certainly don't think they're just going to roll over Maryland. Um, I mean, the line is they're seventeen-point favorites in this game. I mean, my God, Minnesota. If it's not Rutgers, how is Minnesota favored by seventeen points over anybody? So I don't know. I think it's going to be closer than that. Uh, Indiana at Nebraska. Indiana one and a half point favorite. Uh, it, it, let's just say a team we are really counting on for a win may very well go to Lincoln, get a win, and be six and two when we play them. Um, Indiana is not looking half bad. Indiana is good, folks. Like their their passing attack, their running back, their defense is solid. They're a good football team. Um, I, they're actually. They're, I think they're really similar to to what Northwestern was, you know, over the last f- five or six years. Um, they haven't. Have they really been tested? Probably not. Right, like they've got a win at home against Maryland. Um, they've got a win. Uh, or, sorry, a win on the road against Maryland. They their other wins are Rutgers, UConn, EIU, and Ball State, and then. There's, there's a, you know, they were, they were close against Michigan state. So like, like they haven't, they haven't been tested and, but, but this Nebraska defense can't stop them. I mean, the question, the question in this game is how healthy is Adrian Martinez and what's Nebraska's mental state coming off a bye? You know, there's, if they, they, this game could really go either way, but, um, but I don't know. 
there's absolutely a path to nine wins for Indiana. Uh, Nebraska, Northwestern, home against Michigan at Purdue. They could win all of those games. And I know people are saying that's ridiculous, like Michigan will roll over them. Uh, let's see what Michigan even is at that point. And they get Purdue at Purdue. And again, if the injury bug just keeps biting that poor Purdue team, they can shoot it out with Purdue. Um, yeah, Indiana's, yeah, discuss this point. They're legit and... I mean, it stinks because we're suddenly going to be put in a situation where we can move the ball on the on a team, and but they are just going to be dealing against us. Uh, really cool. And now it's, it's going to be a night game. Yeah, that'll be another fun one. Under the lights in Bloomington, Indiana. Oh, really? That's a night game? Yeah. Oh, wow. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, FS1, I believe. 6.30 kick central. So. Alrighty then. Yeah. Plan your next Saturday uh, accordingly. Um, and then finally, uh, the 6.30 game, uh, Notre Dame at Michigan. Michigan. Wait, can, I'm, can st- someone... I'm staring at this line right now. How is Michigan favored? Oh, I, was, I have no idea whatsoever. It opened at four. What? I... They opened as a four-point favorite okay. over a team that Vegas generally has to shade the, the the line to because Notre Dame fans are so batshit crazy to, to bet on their own team. My God, can I? I just need to go over to Indiana and just lay it. How much can I put on Notre Dame? Oh my! Does God. somebody know something? Like what? What the hell? I don't even. I. This is ridiculous. I mean, this team just. I mean, USC. At this point, I'm prepared to say is a, is a better football team than Michigan is. And Notre Dame, you know, pulled out that win. And I, I mean, I, Notre Dame's a good football team. I don't know what Michigan is. Like, Michigan's a mess. Like, and, and I get it. Like, these teams tend to play good football against each other. And so, fine. Like, the line is tighter. But how can you think Michigan is going to win this game? I mean, if I eat my words, I eat my words. But... Notre Dame can do a lot of things on offense. Ian Book's an awesome quarterback, and they're able to move the ball with him and make things work. And meanwhile, you've got Michigan is just a mess on offense. I mean, their whole system is just hope. They've got a strong running back, Michigan, that they can throw into the line, and he drags tacklers. That's their whole offense. Um, Notre Dame is better than Penn State. Yeah, I yeah. So. That that one's just nuts to me. I, yeah, I don't care if it's at Ann Arbor. At Ann Arbor, at Ann Arbor it does not matter. Uh, elsewhere around the country, a um, couple you know, other big matchups: uh, Auburn, LSU. Man, SEC West. I mean, Auburn, LSU barely can uh, celebrate from that Florida win, and it's a it's another massive one. Is it at LSU? It's at LSU. Yeah. yeah. It's not nighttime, not a night game. No, though, right? two thirty. Nope. Two thirty. Yeah. And then yes. they get and and then they get a bye before going to Alabama. Also a two thirty game. So ugh, come on, LSU, pull it out. Don't don't uh, don't fall on your face here. And anything else kind of jumping out at you? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm looking through the at least the top twenty five, and nothing's really grabbing my attention. Like a lot of a lot of big matchups in the Big Ten. SMU Houston could be interesting. I mean, SMU is playing great ball right now. Hey, Boise took an L, so the AAC champion can legitimately be thinking about uh, you know a potential Power Five bowl. Um, so all these AAC teams, you know, these, there's a couple of good ones that are going to start pounding against each other. And 
my hope is that one team is going to emerge at the top of the heap because there are a lot of a lot of really fun ones to watch. Did we talk about the Der- the the um, Derek King situation at Houston? No, we we really on, didn't. on the podcast. No. So so King is um, an amazing player for for Houston. Is incredible. Um, and after the first uh, couple games of the year, or the first couple losses of the year for Houston. Basically, he and and one of their top wideouts announced that they're going to redshirt for the yeah, season. Yeah, Houston's basically tanking. Yeah, they're which is um, trying to get that draft pick. Yeah, I mean it, that's it, ridiculous. It's stunning in many many ways. Um, at, at the like at the same time, like you don't know exactly like you don't know exactly what's going on. I, there was a lot of talk about it um, back in September, and I was distracted, and I so I don't I do not know a lot of details here. But it's fascinating because this was a team that, spo- that was supposed to be well in the mix for that um, New Year's Day Bowl situation and have uh, are instead, you know, at three and four with um, a lot of questions. And, yeah, playing an SMU team that is just firing on all cylinders and so uh, led, by, led by a former QB from Texas, Shane Bichelle, who did good things at Texas as well. So, that, yeah, this is a really, really interesting matchup. So you're telling me that there's a team that expected bigger things in the season – the season went south, so they shut down their highly regarded quarterback so that he can live to fight another day. That's what you're telling me, Scus? It's exactly what I'm telling you, John. <laughs> we shall see. I mean, Do you... I, 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 don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Just going to leave that one just hanging right there. Friday There's night. so many things I want to say right uh-huh. now, but they're just not appropriate for our, for our <laughs> podcasting medium. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just gonna hold back. Uh, I don't like conspiracy theories, but man, conspiracy theory Eric is just like flying around right now. Oh, big time! I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch Friday night USC at Colorado. Well, of course, of course you are. You're a Colorado fan. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know Folsom Field on a Friday night should be a good time. Yeah. The Pac-12 is crazy this year, is so really I mean, bizarre. like, why not? It's really Dig bizarre. in, enjoy it. I mean, Colorado just got annihilated by Oregon um, last week. So Oregon's the class of the conference, though, it looks like. so. They're, they're the, good. They're good. So you never know. Colorado maybe can get some licks in now. They're still three and four. They could find a path to a bowl game here. Well, they didn't just get annihilated by Oregon. They then also got annihilated by Washington State, oh, yeah, 41 yeah. to 10. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. Uh, and Laviscus only got uh, Laviska only got three three catches on. Oh, they don't calculate targets in college. God dang! Can, hey, college football, pick up the NFL stats stuff, please. It's so much better. Um, anyways, uh, just see, just I don't know Colorado after. Look, they they did everything I asked of them, and that was to beat to Nebraska. beat Nebraska in a game that went over the over. That's all I ever asked of the Colorado <laughs> Buffalo. So, anything else to do this year for like as far as I'm concerned is gravy. Um, well, but they seem to really be languishing um, and not doing as well as they could or should. Yeah, they got USC this week, and then at UCLA, home for Stanford, Washington, and at Utah. So, it's not like they have any any easy W's uh, the rest of the way. So. Maybe they could lose to Stanford just to make me feel better about myself. <laughs> well, guys, um, lest we you know talk your ears off completely, uh, let's go ahead and leave it there for this week. 
Um, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlawpirates. And you can email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the South Golf Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the foreign. John Lacombe and Eric Skazba and Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.